All right. Everybody know the name of that song we were just playing? Money. Money. It's a gas. Keep your hand off of my stash. <laughs> Pink Floyd's uh, album, Dark Side of the Moon, with that, that, uh, that that song Money came from, was the album of the 1980s. And uh, that song Money was probably one of the most popular songs on that album. So during the 80s, that song Money was probably one of the most popular songs going around. And it's very fitting because the 80s was a very prosperous time. Uh, for those of you who remember and weren't two, um, <laughs> uh, but it was also a time that was marked by just really the celebration of excess, the celebration of greed. And uh, that celebration of greed was really well played out in the movie Wall Street. And uh, there was a character in that movie called Gordon Gecko. You know, guys know Gordon Gecko? And uh, played by Michael Douglas. And Gordon Gecko exemplified the guy who was after everything, the guy where greed had no end and no bounds. And we're going to talk more about Gordon Gecko later. Um, but um, as we look into Proverbs further today in the subject of money, um, I want to start off with this one thought that will be the defining basis of all that we talk about today on money, um, and that is that God is our treasure, and the things of the kingdom of God are the things that we should treasure in our heart. So wisdom and understanding and the knowledge of him who saved us should surpass any desire we have for earthly treasure or wealth. And if we can honestly say that, if we can honestly say to yourself that, yeah, the things of God, I seek after the things of God more than I seek after money, then this discussion today is going to be really easy. <laughs> if you can't honestly say that to yourself, that the things of God and seeking after the righteousness of God is not import more important to me than money, then this is going to be a challenging discussion today. So take, let's take a look. We're going to look at a lot of Proverbs today. And let's take a look at um, uh, Proverbs chapter 2. Now, if you can pull that up for me, I've got a couple to start off with here. Uh, verses 1 to 5. Uh, let's see. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you call out for insight, and cry aloud for understanding. And if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So I have a question for you. Is the word of God a treasure to you? Can you open up the Bible and mine it like you would for silver or gold? Good question to think about. Isaiah 33 says this. The Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion with justice and righteousness, and he will be the sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. And the fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. So when we talk about treasures and we talk about wealth, the treasure that we should be seeking after is all of these things, salvation, wisdom, knowledge. And as we'll see, other things will follow. We'll get into that in a, in a few minutes. 
But it's interesting that we sit here today and talk about Proverbs and talk about money. Because um, as it works out, I know a lot about money. And uh, there's reasons for that. I went to Northeastern University here in Boston um, about 10 years ago. And uh, um, I, I got a degree in chemical engineering. And as it turns out, chemical engineering is pretty much the only engineering discipline that really teaches a lot about money about finance, how to finance a new plant, you know, about cash flows and net present values and rates of return and all those kinds of things. So even back then, I was trained uh, in money. And I worked in the oil industry for about 20 years. And about 15 of those years, I was an oil trader. So as you know, if you're a, a trader, a commodities trader like I was, it's all about money. It's all about making a buck. And um, I made a lot of money in the companies that I worked for, and my biggest oil deal was one single deal. I made $22 million. Imagine that on one deal. But the interesting thing, a part, of, the part of that was that I never saw a penny of that because I worked for a salary. And so my company was very pleased, and I was able to keep my job. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, actually, that deal almost cost me my job, but that's a story for a different time. <laughs> actually, almost fired for that, if you can believe it. Um, but, um, but really, I think that's the essence of what we want to talk about today. I made my company $22 million on one deal. I didn't see a penny of that, but I was okay with that. I did my job well. My company was happy. My bosses were happy with me. And, you know, lived for another day. Everything was good. Now, I run a small consulting business, and I advise a lot of clients. I advise uh, commodity trading shops for some of the big, uh, big banks on Wall Street. And some of the advice that I give to my clients makes them a lot of money. I went to visit one of my clients uh, one time, and he pulled me off in the hallway, and he said really quietly, he says, hey, remember when you came by a few months ago? And I said, yeah. He said, we did what you said. He said, we made $7 million on that deal. It was really good. Thanks a lot. And I left. I'm great. Okay. Hope you're going to renew my services for another year. Um, but again, I was okay with that. My clients are making a lot of money. That means, again, I'll be around with my business for another couple of years, hopefully. Um, but again, how's your heart? I'm okay with that. My clients are prosper prospering. The people I'm working for are prospering. Um, but so let's take a look at what does it mean to be prosperous and from a biblical perspective. Uh, perhaps true prosperity could be just defined as having your basic needs met. So if you have food, if you have shelter, if you've got a roof over your head and all your needs are met, then you can sort of sit back and say, yeah, I, I don't have anything that I need. I'm prosperous. But I think if you have health, if you have um, peace, if you have joy, uh, if you're able to find uh, wisdom and understanding from God, if you've got healthy relationships, if you've got children who love God and children who love you, which is good too, um, and time to spend with God and serve him and time to spend with your family and opportunities to use your gifts and talents, then you've got a really rich life, huh? I mean, that's a lot, right? Um, but clearly, when we look at some of the scriptures we're going to look at today, the Bible has a lot to say about wealth and riches and how they sometimes pour out to the people in the kingdom of God. 
And so prosperity can also be defined when you're looking at the Bible as more than just having your basic needs met and having that rich, abundant spiritual life uh, that we know about. Um, and so it can also be inclusive of wealth, as in wealth, wealth and riches, but not necessarily limited to that. So the question is, does God want us to be prosperous? So if God wants us to seek after him and seek after him alone, does he want us to be prosperous and be diverted from seeking after him? Shouldn't the question be, well, we should all become poor, we should all become monks and go off to a monastery somewhere or become nuns and uh, wear out our knees praying on dirt floors somewhere and eating subsistence food and all that stuff. That is a life of God, right? Uh, you don't really see too much of that in the Bible, do you? And so uh, it makes you wonder where all that came from in the olden times. Most of the biblical re references in the Old Testament indicate that God wants to bestow prosperity on his people. Let's take a look at Proverbs 11. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. And in chapter 10, verse 22, we see that the blessing of the Lord brings wealth, and he adds no trouble to it. So prosperity, in that sense, is linked to seeking after God. It's linked to loving God, and it's linked to seeking after righteousness. Matthew chapter 6 talks about seeking after the righteousness of God first, and all other things will be added unto you, right? I'm sure you're familiar with that passage. So if we seek God, if we truly love God, if we follow after God, blessings will follow. The blessings that follow can be, but are not always associated with money. And so that's the distinction that we have to make as we go along here. You may be blessed with money. You may be blessed with friends. You may be blessed with an intimate relationship with God that's really different than what other people experience. And so there's a whole wealth and range of ways that God can bless us. And monetary wealth and financial gain is but one area that that can happen. So I just want to make that clear because the prosperity gospel that's preached by some would say that every one of you in this room could be wealthy. And that may or may not be the case. You may be wealthy, again, with friends, with family that's a wonderful family or, or blessed with other riches, um, but not necessarily money. Um, but being blessed with security, freedom from trouble is, is a great blessing as well. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 8. I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold, and what I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing wealth on those who love me and making their treasuries full. So you get this picture of those who are seeking after God, those who are walking on the path towards God, that blessings follow them, right? And even wealth follows them. It's very clear. 
that God is bestowing wealth on those who love him and making their treasuries full. And again, let's be very careful not to make monetary wealth the sole uh, definition of that word wealth, okay? God doesn't guarantee prosperity in the form of wealth, but he does guarantee a number of ways that you won't be wealthy. Let's take a look at those. Proverbs 28. He, whoops, is that, uh, da, 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 da. is that 28, 13? Oh, yeah, there we go. He who conceals his sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. So he who conceals his sins does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. What do we call confessing and renouncing sin? Repentance, right? So those with a repentant heart are those who are just putting themselves out for God and following after God. And it's those people with repentant hearts that have a chance for prosperity. And if you don't have a, a, a repentant heart, you will, you will not prosper. Let's take a look at Proverbs chapter 10. Lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. So I think Joe Gore probably talked at length about this last week, uh, about being diligent at your work. And one of the ways that prosperity will run away from you is laziness. Let's take a look at uh, Proverbs 22. He who, who oppresses the poor to increase his wealth, and he who gives gifts to the rich, both come to poverty. And so... Um, what does it mean to give gifts to the rich? Any ideas? The word for that? Bribery. All right. So uh, I may be wealthy myself and seeking after more wealth. And one of the ways that I can get more wealth is to leverage what I have by getting inside deals and getting inside scoops. So, uh, you know, for example, maybe I own a big construction company and I can throw a little bit of money around and get a contract on the big dig, right? And uh, uh, I'm not saying there was anything going on there. Um, <laughs> just an example. Um, you know, corruption uh, is obviously dishonest gain. So uh, the Bible has a lot to say about dishonest gain. So... God wants us to work hard. He wants us to be smart about what we do, right? And he wants us to earn a profit, right? So if we look at uh, Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely haste leads to poverty. So if you're smart, if you're making plans, if, you're, if you've got a plan for a business and you work it all out and you put together a business plan, you go and you're smart, and you execute it, and, and you're out there, and you do it, you know, hopefully with the leading of the Lord as well, those plans diligently followed should lead to profit, and that's a good thing, right? And hasty plans that aren't, pla uh, hasty plans that aren't well thought out lead to poverty. So, again, as... Um, Joe talked about last week, working hard is honorable to God. And in my life, I found that God really rewards hard effort. When it seems like whenever I work really hard, 
that's when things happen it, that happen well. And when I'm kind of like a little bit half, you know, I've got sort of working at a half throttle or whatever, it seems that things just kind of muddle along. But when I really work hard, when I really work smart, it seems like the Lord really honors that. And one of the ways that God honors work is to allow you to prosper in it. So maybe you don't own your own business. Maybe uh, you, you, you haven't started something on your own, but you work for someone else. But you can prosper in the salary or the hourly wage, whatever it is that you make, by working hard. And the Lord honors that by giving you favor in the eyes of that you work with. I see a few of you nodding your heads out there. You've experienced this. You work hard, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, people who looked at you sort of downcast are looking at you with favor. And they didn't like you before, but now they do. And there's two reasons for that. One, they like your hard work. But the second one is that the Lord's hand is upon you because you're honoring him with hard work. And people can sense that and feel that. And all of a sudden, they look at you differently. And so that's a very important concept. So don't lose sight of that. Um, the other way... Uh, besides you know, having a salary and working for yourself, as we were talking about, is to work for yourself and get out there and earn profits on your own. So there's a number of you out there that are running your own small businesses or running bigger businesses, and that's great. And how you execute that and how you work with that, um, God will honor that. And um, we're going to talk a little bit more about how you handle those profits and, and uh, what you can do with money. Um, so... Work hard, work smart, and allow God to work with you in everything that you do. And ask for God's blessing in your work. Are you doing that? You know, are you asking for God to be with you, to walk with you, and to bless you, and to bless your hands as you work? If you do that, God's very faithful to come alongside you and do that. So try him out in that if you haven't done that yet. So everything that you should do, obviously including your work, should honor God. But also, how you handle money should also honor God. So once you've now earned this money through your hard work and diligent effort, good job, everyone, um, you need to honor God with how you handle this money. And the first way to honor God is to honor him with the first fruits of what you receive. So uh, what does that mean? Let's take a look at Proverbs chapter 3. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. So, you know, back in those times, if you were a farmer and you, you, you harvest your crop, what this verse is saying is, honor God with the first fruits of your crops. So take, the understanding then was that the first crops that you take are actually the best, right? So what you would do then is you would take the best part of what you've just brought in and then you would take that and you would give that to, um, well, I guess, bring it to the temple or give that to, uh, uh, to those who need. So that's kind of hard, right? You've worked hard all summer. You harvest this crop, and now you're going to take the best part of it and give it away. But that's what we're commanded to do. Proverbs 22 says, Humility and fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. So being humble before the Lord and having fear of the Lord is basically honoring the Lord. And we're supposed to do that with all of our money. 
uh, not all of our money, but with our money. So here's the paradox. If we love God and if we honor God, wealth becomes less important to us. And that's the key to all of this, is that when we're putting God higher and higher and higher, wealth becomes less important. If we truly love God and obey him and honor him in what we give, then God in turn blesses us with a multitude of blessings, including wealth, prosperity, protection, which I would call freedom from trouble in many ways, and all the other things we talked about a few minutes ago. So you can kind of assess where your heart is in all of this by how you might react to a game of Monopoly. All right, Everybody's played Monopoly before, right? invest about three or four hours. So you sit there and you're with your friends or your family, people you really like to be with, I hope. And so you sit there, you play this game, and you want to play it well. So you play by the rules, and you try to accumulate all this wealth in the game. And then after three or four hours, you've either won or you've lost. Now, if you're playing with like six people, the chances are you lost, right? So... Are you frustrated? Are you mad? Um, you know, how, do you, how would you see yourself in that situation? You tried hard to win, but you never quite got there. If you see yourself in that position, you know, in a simple game of Monopoly, then take yourself and put yourself in real life and see how you're doing about how you feel about accumulating wealth and not quite in getting there um, in real life, right? So are you frustrated? That's not a good place to be. But likewise, on the same token, on the other hand, one of those six people is going to be a winner, right? If you're the winner, do you stand up and beat your chest, throw your arms in the air, you know, do this to everybody around the table? Um, <laughs> if that's you, then maybe you need to reevaluate as well. Now, if you could sit there and say, you know, I really enjoyed my time with my family or with my friends playing this game, and the outcome didn't really matter, you know, maybe you're in a good place. Everybody's laughing. We got a lot to talk about. <laughs> uh, if we care more about God than about money, God will bless us with money. If you care more about money than God, God's knocking on your forehead, waving, and you're not even seeing him. So if you can care more about God, about money, it's a, it's a very paradox, right? Then he gives you money. Why? Because it doesn't matter to you. Does that give you a headache? It kind of does for me. Read Matthew chapter 6 when you have a chance and really go through that, how God provides for the birds of the air and the beasts of the field, and they don't worry about anything. How much more abundantly will he provide for us? Uh, okay. So following after God in that way, I want to I make this point. Following after God in that way opens the door for God's blessings. If you are following after money first, you're, not, you're putting God second. Money becomes an idol. What are you doing? You're closing the door for all kinds of blessings from the Lord. Okay? So when you follow after God, you're opening the door for him to bless you. And one of the ways he can bless you is with money. But hopefully it's with many other things that are worth a lot more. Check out these verses. 
Proverbs 10, 22. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth, and he adds no trouble to it. We're going to talk about the link between wealth and trouble in a minute. Matthew 6 is not part of Proverbs, but one we just have to bring up when we're talking about this. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It's either God or it's money. It's going to be one of those two things in your life. If you're chasing after money, if you're chasing after the buck, God becomes secondary. If you chase after God first and then be good stewards with money, be diligent in your work, God will bless your endeavors. And I hope you guys are getting that distinction clearly. Uh, Psalm 62 says this, Do not trust in extortion or take pride in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. So there's a danger that when God blesses us with wealth or we accumulate wealth even outside of God, that our heart can be set upon them. And there's always a danger that even after the fact, if we're following God, he blesses us with wealth, that our eyes, right, can shift to the money and away from God. And as you think about this issue, challenge yourself in this regard. Wow, I don't really see those blessings of God in my life right now. I don't see wealth just coming down all over the place. And, you know, is anything wrong? No, not necessarily. God may be blessing you in other ways. But God knows you. And God knows you, then if he put $100,000 in your bank account right now, he might know that where you are right now, that your eyes would shift right to that and away from him. And do you think he's going to allow that to happen? No, I don't think he will. So if that's you know, where you are, let me restate that. Challenge yourself to find out if that's where you are. Search your heart to see if that would be the case. Okay, now let's talk about generosity. When we're generous, we bless other people. And by blessing others, we find that ourselves, we get blessed, right? And giving is one way of blessing others. Money represents our work. Money represents our time. When we're giving money, either to the church or to a friend or to someone in need, we're not just giving small pieces of paper. You're giving the very essence of what you do, right? And that's a pretty cool thing. Um, you know, maybe someone you know needs 100 bucks. And if you earn 20 bucks an hour and you give this person $100 as a gift, you've given them five hours of your time working hard. That's pretty interesting. And we shouldn't lose sight of that when people give us gifts because that's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty impressive. So giving money is giving of ourselves. But remember that giving money is not a complete substitute for giving of ourselves because we've all seen 100 movies about the rich father who's out there earning money and he never spends any time with his family. And so you know, giving of our time and giving of our talents is just as important as giving money. Let's take a, a look at Proverbs uh, and what it has to say about generosity. 
and we look at 1125. Proverbs 11.25 is coming. I can see it. I'll read it to you. Uh, a generous man will prosper, and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. A generous man will prosper, and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So when you bless others, you are yourself blessed. Um, Proverbs chapter 21, verses 25 to 26. Um, you got that one, Noah? Okay, there we go. The sluggard's craving will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. All day long he craves for more, but the righteous give without sparing. Now, I want to make a point here. It's not the giving that makes you righteous but it's the righteousness that you have that marks you. And part of how you are marked as a righteous person is that you give. Does that make sense? You don't earn righteousness by giving. Right? You don't earn righteousness by what you do. But the mark of a righteous person is one that gives. And gives without sparing. Uh, Proverbs 22.9. A generous man will himself be blessed for he shares his food with the poor. And Proverbs 25, 14. Like clouds and wind without rain is a man who boasts of gifts he does not give. Clouds and wind without rain. So, I mean, if you're a kind of person who has all this stuff, you've got a big bank account, you've got more toys than anybody can imagine, but you never give anything to anybody, there's no fruit in that. It's sort of what Proverbs is saying, what the Bible is saying. Well, what good are you? Um, so generosity is important, and I just want to say, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this at the end, that it's been exciting to me here to be at Genesis because this is a community that, to me, has been really marked by generosity, and I've learned a lot about generosity by being here. I've always felt myself as a reasonably gener generous person, but... Hanging around with Michael Davis, you know, he just talks about being ridiculously generous. And, you know, that's sort of catching on to me. And I'll tell you, it's fun. You know, it's, it's a, it really is fun and it's a blessing to be generous. And, um, you know, I just want to commend you all that this is a community that has been and I'm sure will continue to be marked by generosity. And I'm going to show you something at the end where you'll see just that. So... Um, you know, generosity is uh, a characteristic of God, right? And when we talked about character, I want you to know that your character is way more important to God than whether or not you have wealth, okay? Let's take a look at Proverbs 17. Of what use is money in the hand of a fool since he has no desire to get wisdom? And Proverbs 29, 3. A man who loves wisdom brings joy to his father, but a companion of prostitutes squanders his wealth. You might be familiar with the, uh, the little quote that says, I spent half my money on wine, women, and song, and I squandered the rest. You got to think about that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
We've got a, a few more here that are just really interesting. It's, it's, it's a lot better to let Proverbs do the talking. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 to 9. Two things I ask of you, O Lord, and do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. And so what we talked about earlier was that idea of if you get too much, your eyes will stray away from the God who you should be seeking after. And so he's saying here that I would disown you if I had too much. He's just he's being honest with himself. Don't give me too much because I know that will be a snare to me and I will look away from you. So don't, don't do that. Now, I have a friend who follows that, this verse, to the T. And uh, he runs his own business. And I say, hey, you know, if you just did this with your business, it would expand and you could make a lot more money. And if you added two more people over here, you could double your profits. And he's like, talk to the hand. I'm like, what? You know, come on. We're talking about being diligent, planning. I can help you. Like, I, you know, I know about money. Come on, let's give me, make it. He's like, I don't want to even talk about it. I've got more than enough. I'm happy. I got my truck. You know, <laughs> what else do I need? And I don't want to, if I have more than I need, it's going to distract me. So I says, I have enough to put away for retirement, and I have enough for my truck. Keep my family fed. I'm great. Thank you very much. That's a great attitude to have. Um, and not everyone is meant to be able to uh, control or handle a lot of money. So that may be you, it may be not. Uh, Proverbs 11.28. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Proverbs 28. Better a poor man whose walk is blameless than a rich man whose ways are perverse. Character counts with God. It's everything. Proverbs 28, 11. A rich man may be wise in his own eyes, but a poor man who has discernment sees through, through him. So character is everything. If money is going to distract you, and ruin your character, God's not going to let you go there. He's going to protect you from that. When you are ready to handle money because you don't care about it anymore, <laughs> then God will bless you with it. I know it sounds crazy, but that's just kind of the way it is. So greed, talking about character, you know, get back to greed. Greed is a sinful characteristic and is not found at all in the character of God. And let's take a look at 1 Timothy, uh, a couple of verses in 1 Timothy. So chapter 6, verse 11. This is a, uh, uh, actually a, a passage here that some of you are familiar with. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Whoops. We missed, uh, that was the end of it. Noah, can you start? Uh, do you have any, but, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Do you have that? Here we go. Let's start again. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. 
But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness, and fight the good fight of faith. So pursue righteousness and flee from uh, pursuing money for money's sake. Now, money itself is not evil. And that's not what that said. That quote is often misinterpreted or misquoted to say that money is the root of all evil. It's not. What did it say? The love of money. The love of money, right? It's a, it's a heart issue. Nothing wrong with money. Money's good. It can be used for a lot of good things. The love of money is bad. The love of money is greed. And when you're greedy, you've set money up as an idol meaning that you put more priority on money than God. We've talked about that. So you've got to have to continually ask yourself the question, are you putting more priority on money than on God? It's something that uh, I think we have to ask ourselves regularly. And the absence of greed, right, not being greedy, is actually a character trait to be sought after and is required for elder leadership in the church. Let's take a look at 1 Timothy 3. Now the overseer must be above reproach, the husband of but one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, and able to teach. Not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, and not a lover of money. All right? So a greedy person is not qualified to be a leader in the church. But isn't greed good? Isn't greed useful? The world says that greed is good. That chasing after the big bucks is what we should be doing. We measure success by dollars, and we measure success by the possessions that we have. How big's my house? How many boats do I have? How many cars do I have? And in the movie Wall Street, the old one, the new one's coming out in a couple weeks. Um, in the movie Wall Street, Gordon Gecko has a few things to say about greed. So uh, let's see what Gordon Gecko has to say. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right. Greed works. Greed clarifies, cuts through, and captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit. Greed. Greed for life, for money, for love, knowledge has marked the upward surge of mankind and greed, you mark my words, will not only save Teldar Paper, but that other malfunctioning corporation called the USA. Thank you very much. Isn't that inspiring? In the words of Gordon Gecko, greed saves. He said that like five times. Greed will save Teldar paper. Greed will save America. Greed saves. 
It's the evolutionary spirit. The strong survive and the weak will perish. But those words are the exact opposite of the gospel message that we have. That the meek and humble will inherit eternal life. Right? Let's take a look at Isaiah 33. He, God, will be the sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge, and the fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. So seek after abundant life. When we, when we, know, when we hear those words, abundant life, uh, from, from uh, that verse, um, the life that he's talking about is zoe, which means to be filled with the Spirit. Seek an abundant life that's filled with the Spirit of God. Be filled with the Spirit, not drunk on wine. And, you know, one of my, as you, as you guys know, one of my favorite lines is, um, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. So the children of God are marked by being, following after and being led by the Spirit of God. So is that where you are? Is that where I am? Um, but I've got a few uh, sort of quotes that we used to bandy around um, in my old days about greed when I was in college in the 80s. Uh, check a couple of these out. This was, this was mine. Um, the top one there, that was what I used to say. Too much is just enough. That was sort of one of my college sayings. And my buddy Jeff still says this one. He says, if I don't have one, that means I must need one. And I always found that kind of interesting. And then Woody Allen has this one. Money is better than poverty, if only for financial reasons. <laughs> uh, so when we're talking about greed, I think it's important to remember that greed brings trouble. In the movie Wall Street, Gordon Gekko goes to jail in the end. He ends up uh, getting uh, bagged for insider trading. Why? Because he was trying to do, uh, an, you know, an, uh, it's an easy way to make money. If you have inside knowledge, an inside scoop, it's an easy way to make a big score. And that's a dishonest game. And he got caught. And um, I think Gordon Gekko would like that first line. Too much is just enough. But then if you think about it, I thought about it, I said, you know, he probably wouldn't like that line very much because too much is not enough. He would always want a little bit more than just enough, a little bit more than excess. No matter how much it is, you want more. I have a personal experience with this. I worked for um, a small oil company down in Connecticut, and the guy who started the company was a, a millionaire, and he had done well. He had made $20 million dollars. Um, he was worth $20 million, and he started this company. And uh, his name was Will Harris. You can Google him, maybe. Uh, this was back in the 80s, and uh, uh, late 80s, early 90s. And he bought an oil refinery down in Puerto Rico, and I joined the company to help run this refinery. And he was this wheeler, dealer, oil trader guy. And he wasn't content with a refinery that could make the company 5 or $10 million a year. He wanted to make 10 20 30 40 $50 million a year trading oil. And so he would just make these huge bets on the market. And guess what? You know, he was greedy. He wanted all this money. He had tons of money. And he started losing. And I was running this refinery, and we had a $200 million credit line. And one day, I went to go and buy some oil for the refinery, and the, the accountant said, um, 
oh, you're going to have to wait to buy the next cargo of oil. I'm like, well, why? We have a $200 million credit line. It's you know, $10 million for a cargo of oil. He said, oh, you have to wait. We can't do that. We only needed $50 million to run the refinery. Well, where's the other $150 million bucks? It was gone. <laughs> he wasted it all trading and losing. Now, it's not against the law to lose money trading. It's against the law to lie about it. And that's what he did. So he, there was fake, uh, fake files and fake invoices and fake everything. And somebody inside the company blew the whistle. One of the executives blew the whistle. And Will Harris, who was rich beyond most what any of us could imagine, got prosecuted by a guy who you may be familiar with, uh, Rudy Giuliani. You know that name? And Rudy Giuliani made his mark on my boss by prosecuting him as the first guy ever to get hit with the White Collar Rico Act, which means he, my boss was considered um, a, a racketeer, you know, just like a mafia guy. And he went to jail for 15 years without parole. And so, you know, I've had personal experience in just seeing this myself. And not only that, the company that I was working for, we were doing great things, and that company would have prospered tremendously. But it just went belly up. And, you know, on I went to the next place. So this is a sad story. Greed brings trouble in lots of ways. Let's look at Proverbs 15. A greedy man brings trouble to his family, but he who hates bribes will live. And Proverbs 10, verses 22, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth, and he adds no trouble to it. You see, when you're getting money through dishonest gain or by greed, you may accumulate some money, but I guarantee you there's going to be trouble attached to it. Okay? But if you're gaining money diligently through hard work and with the blessing of the Lord, he adds no trouble to it. You'll find peace in it. But even still today, greedy people in our society are exalted when successful. But most societies mock openly greedy people. We don't seem to do that here. It seems to be okay. Uh, Patty and I lived in Singapore for about 10 years. And there's a slang word there that exemplifies the person crazy with greed. It's the word kiasu. And it means afraid to lose out or afraid to miss out. And it's most often described by the person who goes to a buffet, right? So you go to an all-you-can-eat all buffet, you pay your 15 bucks or whatever it is to go there. And they had a lot of those in Singapore. It's what, the only thing to do there was eat. Um, so you go to this all-you-can-eat buffet, and the kiasu guy, the crazy guy, who, who exemplifies this word of greed, crazy greed, would be the one who would walk up to the buffet and take his plate and just and pile it as high as you could possibly pile it and, and carry it back to the table and put it down. Now, if you've been to a buffet, right, you know that there's some good stuff and there's some not-so-good stuff, right? And so, you know, maybe you like sushi, right? And they get a thing of sushi, that's the good stuff for you, right? So the kiasu guy says, oh, well, if I go back for seconds, the good stuff might be gone. So I'm going to take it now, all right? So it's this idea. It's a little bit foreign to us, but I think it's really cool. Afraid to lose out. 
If I go back for seconds later, I'm afraid that it's going to be gone. So I take it now. And so they really, they make a big deal of this Kiasu guy. And like, if you do something funny like that, you know, they'll, they'll call you right out. And they go, ah, oh, you know, Mike, you know, you're so Kiasu. Look at you, you know, and they'll call you right out on it, you know, and like, oh, that's, you know. McDonald's made a Kiasu burger because you're supposed to be so crazy about this burger that right, you're just crazy greedy, got to have this burger. So this is the, the Kiasu guy from uh, McDonald's. <laughs> you see his eyes bugging out, right? You know? And so that was the guy who was the, you know, the Kiasu guy, and it was, it was great. So that's just a picture of, uh, of, of that. So how do we counteract greed? Very simply, I'm not going to get a lot into this, is practice contentment, right? Be thankful. Don't wait until Thanksgiving to say, Lord, thanks for everything that I have. Thanks for giving me a car that I can drive to work in. You know, thanks for filling the gas tank. Thanks for food. Thanks for a roof over my head. All those things. You should be saying that every day. And if you don't have more than that, be thankful, be content. And I'm not going to get into, there's many, many verses about contentment that you can look up on your own. Just another thought, another side thought in all of this, that the wealth in the world is actually being stored up for the righteous. And Proverbs has a few things to say about that. I just want to talk about that quickly before we, uh, before we close. Uh, Proverbs 13 a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. I like that. <laughs> Proverbs 28, 8. He who increases his wealth by exorbitant interest amasses it for another who will be kind to the poor. So uh, another word for uh, exorbitant interest is usury or charging interest rates that are crazy. Um, so my Citibank card charges like 19% interest. Good luck to them. <laughs> Proverbs 15, verse 6. The house of the righteous contains great treasure, but the income of the wicked brings them trouble. So um, the Bible talks a lot about God's in control of all everything, right? He, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns everything. Everything is his. And is there, uh, do the wicked have wealth? Yes. But part of this contentment thing that I want you to, to try to deal with, all right, that's very frustrating for a lot of us, is that you see your neighbor, or you see another guy in the company that you work for, or you see a, a guy... Um, who becomes very successful through dishonest means. And you can see this all over the place. And you just want to bite your lip and say, oh, you know, how come that's not me? Or what? I'm, I'm being good, and those people are succeeding. Well, I want you to remember these verses, right? That the wealth in the world is stored up for the righteous. The wicked are going to fall eventually. And you know what? That wicked person who has a lot of wealth may finish his days with that wealth. Good for him. That's the end of it for him, right? You may not finish your days with a lot of wealth, but it's not the end of it for you because we have a hope that never stops. We have a hope that's going to last forever. 
We're going to be in heaven. We're going to be with the Lord forever, worshiping. And that is going to be, you don't even need to think about money, right, in those days. You're not going to need money. Money's going to be long. You'll have forgotten money by the time you're in heaven for a thousand years and you've got millions to go. So um, don't worry about these people who have wealth who don't deserve it. Uh, last thought, um, don't chase after wealth. There's a difference between being a good steward and being eager to be wealthy. All right? Proverbs 28.20 says this, A faithful man will be richly blessed, but one eager to get rich, rich will not go unpunished. And Proverbs 28.22 says this, A stingy man is eager to get rich and is unaware that poverty awaits him. So a stingy man is one who's what? Not generous, okay? If you're stingy, it means you're not generous. <laughs> if you are generous, it's good because it means you're not stingy. Um, there's a lot more to talk about on the issue of money, and I have a lot more here that I'm not going to talk about, so hallelujah, right? Um, but what I'd like to do right now, uh, if you have questions about money, I have some, uh, some information here. You know, sh should we lend money? Should we be investing money? Should we be saving for retirement? Um, uh, what else do I have here? Um, you know, oh, what about gambling, right? Things like that. I've, I've studied these things over the past week. If you have any questions on any of those issues or others, see me after and, and uh, we can talk about them. But what I want to talk about is get back to the issue of generosity and generosity here at Genesis and how I, I really am thankful and I believe that generosity is something that is marking our community. So um, this is our one-year anniversary. Can we, can we have a round of applause for our one year? Right? That's awesome. I, I forget what the stats are. You know, Michael knows all his church planning stuff off the top of his head. Um, any know, anybody know what the percentage of church plants that make it to one year, two years? John, do you have any? No. It's small, right? The no, you know, it, I think the number of church plants that make it to two years is very small. And you know, here we are. Uh, we're stronger than we were a year ago. Um, the faces uh, that we, hear, we have here are more numerous than we are a year ago. And the biggest uh, issue that we faced as uh, leaders leaving hope and coming here and starting this was, you know, are we going to make it financially? Um, and so I want to show you how we're doing. Know if you could pull up that chart. All right, so uh, this is what I do for work, by the way. I make pretty charts. So um, we have a budget of $14,000 a month, right, which is about 160000 dollars a year. Before Genesis became a church, the best year that Genesis had in giving was $50,000, all right? And we went out with a budget that was more than three times that with the same group of people, $14,000 a month. And so from September to last year, you can see that in the first couple of months, we met our budget. And look at November, December, January, February, $20,000, right? $21,000, March, 21, April, 24, May, June. July, we need to talk about July, people. Uh, 
No, but, you know, July, everybody's going on vacation. So look, but look what happened in August. We're not even done with August. We've got one more week to go in August in terms of the books, and we close out the year. But, but you guys have made this happen. Every single dollar, those are not, those numbers, by the way, you know, that's not $21,000. That's $21,000, I don't know the number, it's $21,583, all right? And if you put in $1 or $10 or $50, it's in there. And your generosity counts. Your giving counts, every single dollar. So thank you very much. Um, it, this is, it's really, really very exciting to see this. So um, let's keep it up. We're going to do better, yes? All right. The goal of this community is to replicate ourselves, right? We have a goal here amongst ourselves is to uh, replicate ourselves as believers, to disciple one another. And the broader goal of Genesis as a church is to replicate ourselves as a body. So we want to plant another church sometime down the road. And the way we do that is through the abundance of what we have. So not only are we meeting our budget, but we are moving towards giving ourselves the ability financially to start something new in another town and another place nearby. So that's awesome. God is moving here in a great way. Um, I want to close with a couple of um, verses that aren't from Proverbs, but hopefully are encouraging to you and that I can uh, encourage you with. Malachi 3.10. And um, this is not a verse to challenge you um, in, in, in particular, but uh, I'll explain in a minute. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in the house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room for it. And I'll tell you, this excites me because what God is saying here is, you know, if you haven't moved forward in this area of giving yet, if you haven't done it, God's saying, test me. And he doesn't say that very often, right? We're not supposed to test the Lord. But he's giving you specific permission to test him in this area of giving. He said, test me in this. You go ahead and give and see how much I can give back to you. All right? It doesn't say money. All right? It says, but see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. One of the other things that marks this community is just fellowship and love and togetherness. Right? Those are huge blessings that God is pouring out here. I love it. I love being here, and I love being with all of you because that's what another thing that marks us. So the financial thing is, you know, we don't have to talk about that too much. It's awesome. What really marks us is that we're a community that loves one another. And the last thing is Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. The riches of God are glorious. He has more than you can even ever imagine. So that's the God we serve, and uh, that, that's the God that we follow after. And as we follow after him, he promises to bless us in many ways, including uh, possibly with money as well. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Uh, Lord and Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your presence here in this body and in this community. And, uh, Lord, I just want to lift up uh, to you the people at Hope Christian Church um, who uh, supported this church plant one year ago. 
and uh, they supported us spiritually. They've been praying for us, and they supported us financially as well. So, Lord, I just pray that you will um, bless them and multiply their blessings back to them. And, uh, Lord, I ask you to bless Michael this morning as he's preaching over there at Hope, and, um, Lord, I just uh, pray for a celebration uh, over there of what you have done in this past year at Genesis. So um, let the people of Hope, Lord, rejoice for uh, the giving that they have given to this community. And I'll ask for your blessings upon them. And Lord, I ask you to bless and challenge each one of us in the area of money. Uh, Lord, we seek after you. We seek after your kingdom. We seek after your righteousness. And Lord, we just pray that uh, as we do that, that you will, um, your hand of favor will be upon us and that you will bless us with your presence and with uh, the many blessings that we talked about this morning. So all of these things we pray. In the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ, amen.